You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today we're going to start our new series called The Promise. We're uh, doing it over the next few Sundays leading into Christmas Eve, and we're talking, of course, about the promise of Jesus, the promise of Jesus. And today uh, we're going to start in Isaiah 9, and Isaiah 9 is going to be kind of our theme passage through this series. Isaiah 9 describes the uh, prophetic promise and you know, throughout the Bible, there's uh, prophetic promises, prophetic words, uh, prophecies concerning what would come. And uh, there's two major areas that are spoken about, two major events that I believe are the two most significant events in all of human history. Uh, the first one, in fact, they're the most repeated. There's many things that are are promised and, and spoken into prophetically in the Bible, but the two most significant, often repeated, is the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, which is still ahead of us. And the first coming of Jesus is what we say celebrate with Christmas. It's what we celebrate as we sing about him, as we sing about uh, his coming in Bethlehem and the, the virgin birth and the coming of Jesus uh, to the world in the midst of darkness. And here's where it was prophesied. Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 2. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Uh, in all of history, in all of human history, darkness has often permeated and affected. The world has affected relationships, has affected, and not only at a large scale with war, and destruction and death, but at a very micro level, on a personal level in our own lives, we see the effects of the fall, of sin, of, of choosing our own way without God. And that's what it says. The people who've seen and walked in darkness, they have seen a great light because history is not the story of sin. It is not the story of the enemy. It's actually his story. It's a story of a rescuer. It's a story of Jesus who came to seek and save what was lost as light broke through the dark and stepped into our world to save us from our sins. And he says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light and those who dwelt in the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined. Aren't you glad for the light of Jesus? You know, people say often in the world, you know, what if, what, why doesn't God do something? Well, let me just tell you, he did do something. He sent Jesus. Here's what verse six says. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus came to bring bridge the gap. He came to break through the dark. And in the darkest night came the Son of God. In the darkest time in my life came Jesus. And he steps in. And the good news of the gospel is that he can step into any life, any situation, any moment to change and, and, and set a course to God's purpose for us. Uh, and I, I just think that's good news, church, that, that Jesus came for everyone. Do you believe that? He came for everyone. He can save anyone. I'm, I'm living proof of that. Jesus can save anyone. He can use anyone. He can, he can do anything. And here's, here's what happens in the story of history. We see the brokenness of the fall of sin, of, of humanity's decision to choose their own way. I know in my own life, I see in the, the course of that. But, but I, I heard it said recently that time is measured in minutes and, and measured in, in, in hours and weeks and days and years. But, but life is measured in moments. You can look at your own life and see that there's 
there's moments that have defined it, that have, have redirected it, that have stood out. You know, I think of, uh, for me, June 9th, 2007, when my wife said I do was the, one of the most important days of my life as my, the birth of my three kids. And, you know, those are big ones that, that many of us have in common, but there's moments in my life that were, were trajectory changing. And some of them weren't always good. Some things were tough and difficult. And, and in the midst of that, it, it affected and defined a season and sometimes years of my life. But uh, what I want to talk to you about today is, is God moments, uh, miracle moments, because the story of history is not just filled with dark, but it's filled with miracles. In fact, our faith as a believer in Jesus is started and founded upon a miracle. I believe in miracles. How about you? I believe we serve a miracle-working God who not only created the world and set it in motion and designed the laws that govern nature, but he also intervenes and steps in into the brokenness of humanity, and he did that most perfectly by sending Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Jesus was given for us. Why? Because God loved you so much. God loved me so much. Heaven gave its very best. He gave Jesus to save us from our sin, set us free, and redeem us back to God. It says in Galatians 4.4 that in the fullness of time, in, in, in the culmination of what all of history up to that point had brought, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. So, so God, in the fullness of time, at just the right moment, sent Jesus. And can I just remind you, no matter where you are, that God can reach you at just the right moment. God can save, he can heal, he can set free. God can step in and bring a miracle moment that can redefine and redirect your life, not just for a moment, a decade, but for eternity. A moment, one moment with God can change your family. One moment with God can set you free. One moment with God can change generations, as my wife said. One moment with God can change everything. Jesus it says, was born of, of the Virgin Mary. He was born, it was a miracle. That very act, that very moment was a miracle. He died for our sins on the cross, but he also rose from the dead. That's a miracle. Jesus taught, he did miracles in opening blind eyes and healing the sick, raising the dead, but, but, but his resurrection itself was a miracle. Not only that, but he sends the Holy Spirit to equip and empower the church, to carry out the greater works in our day. From the book of Acts to today, God has been doing miracles. He's been creating miracle moments. And if you wanna know what it's about, it's about Jesus, the promised one, stepping into my life and yours at just the right time. See, God planned, if you don't know this, God planned before you ever showed up, not just in this room, before you were born, God had a plan for you. Before you drew your first breath, God had a plan for you. The Bible actually says of Jesus that before the foundations of the world, he was the lamb slain. What that means is before there was ever a cross, he was already planned to be our savior. He already had thought out and prepared. All of creation was, was moving towards a critical moment where, where God would step in, that Jesus, the fully God, would become fully man to take our sin and shame and die in our place so that we could be made right with God. And this is important, church, because we have to recognize the most important thing God ever does in my life is the miracle he does in saving me, the miracle he does in forgiving me and giving me a home in heaven, causing us to go from death to life. But I love this because it tells us that if he's the lamb slain before the world was made, that means before sin entered in, God had a plan. 
And on God's calendar, I don't know if we could see it, but if God had a calendar, there's moments, I believe, of answered prayer, of breakthrough, of promises fulfilled in your life and mine, the things that we're waiting for God to do. God already has a moment. He's already got a way. He's already provided an answer before there was even a need. But there, there was ever a problem, he already had a solution. And so as you're waiting, there's a promise God gives you and I, but as you're waiting, your miracle moment is coming. In Isaiah 7, we're gonna shift gears and look at Isaiah 7, which is two chapters before this, and it describes the, the promise of the Messiah coming, but it's in the context of him speaking an a, a invitation to a king. Before he promises and declares that the Messiah, the ultimate king of kings would come, he has a conversation through the prophet Isaiah, God speaking to a, through Isaiah to this man, and this man's name is Ahaz. Here's what it says, Isaiah 7, verse 3, then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out now to meet Ahaz. Who's Ahaz? Well, well it's not a well-known name, he's a king, but he's not as well-known as King David or King Solomon or King Saul. He's not as well-known as them, but, but Ahaz is about to have a potential miracle moment but he misses it. And I think we can miss our miracle moment if we're not careful. And I want to contrast two different people. One who received and experienced a miracle moment, that's Mary, as we look at the gospel and the coming of Jesus. But first we look at Ahaz and here's what it says in verse three, go out now and meet Ahaz. Who's Ahaz? Here's his background. Here's his, his resume, so to speak. Second Chronicles 28, 16, at the same time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Syria to come and help him. So he invites another king and the kings of Assyria to come and help him. Why? Because the Edomites had come, a neighboring nation had come and they had attacked Judah and they carried away captives. So they're under siege. They're under attack and he asks for help. He sends to the Assyrians another nation. And it says also, verse 18, that the Philistines had invaded the cities of the lowland and of the south of Judah. For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. So Judah is at a very low place. It's, it's, here's why, because the king had encouraged, verse 19, moral decline in Judah. He encouraged compromise. He encouraged a departure for the things of God. And can I just tell you, things always get darker the more we push God out. They always get worse the more we choose our own way instead of God's way no matter what the situation is. And so decline happened in the nation because of Ahaz, this king. And even personally, it says he had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. Also, Tiglath-Pileser, who's the king of Assyria, the man he asked for help, came to him. But rather than help him, here's what he does. He distresses him. So he asked the king of Syria, come and help me, protect me, fight for me. But instead, that king shows up and joins in on the fight. He gets in on the, the, the plunder, and he joins in with these other nations and attacks and assaults, and he did not assist him for Ahaz took part. Watch what Ahaz does. And I think these give us a, a picture of what happens, what causes us to miss our miracle moments that God intends for us to receive. It says Ahaz took part of the treasures of the house of the Lord. In other words, he took what belonged to God and he sacrificed, he gave it away. He, he gave it to the enemy to placate the enemy. Anything we compromise to get or keep, we will lose. Do you hear me, church? Anything we compromise, who we are and what we believe and what really matters for eternity in our lives, our marriages, our families, our purpose, what we compromise to keep, we will lose. And these, he, he gives away what belongs to God, but not only that, he gives away what's of his own household. 
So he gives the treasures of his own house. That means what belongs to him, but also to those that are coming after him. His children, his children's children. He's willing to sacrifice what belongs to them and their future for temporary relief. And can I just say, don't ever make long-term decisions, long-term moves on temporary pain. Don't sacrifice what matters in the long run for what's temporary today. And can I tell you, promises are long-term. They last. God's promises last. Pain is temporary. What the enemy does is temporary. Even what people have done, it's temporary. But what God does lasts forever. And not only that, but sin doesn't just affect you and yours, but it affects those around you. And, and those who were leaders in Israel, he also took of theirs and gave it away. He, he gave away the farm. He gave away everything. And did it help? Did it make a difference? No. Here's what it says. It says, he gave it to the king of Assyria and he did not help him. He's looking for any solution, every solution, except for one. Verse 22, now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly, he was unfaithful before, but now he's increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. So there's one thing I I believe that's essential to understand about why he missed his miracle moment. He didn't go to God, he went to everybody else. He looked in every other place. He looked to the king of Syria who couldn't help him. He looked to the neighboring nations who couldn't help him. He looked anywhere and everywhere, but he did not, notice it doesn't say he went to God. He didn't go to God and say, God, I've been wrong. I've done it my way. Now I want to do it your way. No, he never did that. He didn't cry out to God and say, God, have mercy, help me. Help our nation. Because God loves to answer that prayer. He responds with mercy and grace. He didn't turn to God. And after all that, the writer says something. I love this. It stood out to me. If we could put a, uh, the next part of the verse says, this is that Ahaz. I, I don't know. I don't know of any other Ahaz. I didn't look that up before the as I was preparing for this message. If there's a, that's a common name. I know it was just the one King Ahaz, but let me just tell you, it's that Ahaz. <laughs> Whoever it is, it's that one. It's, it's that guy. I mean, that, come on. He's, he's that one that was unfaithful. He was that one that, that, that gave away the farm. He was that one. It stands out to them and it stands out to us. Now, It's not all bad news for Ahaz because he did have an opportunity. In fact, let's go back to Isaiah 7. I I gave you his background, but here's, remember Isaiah, God says to Isaiah, go and talk to Ahaz. And here's what I want you to tell him, two things. First, he says, watch this, take heed and be quiet. (laughs) That's a sermon. Take heed and be quiet. You know, sometimes I just need to hear that. I just need to know that. Like, you know, I I, I preached last week about not complaining, be grateful, and I've had that tested all week. No, no. But but here's what he says, take heed, be quiet, and do not fear, nor be faint-hearted. For these two, there's two enemies, two nations coming against them. They're two stubs of smoking firebrands. In other words, they look tough, but they're not for God. I, I know that problem looks impossible, but it's not impossible for God. I know that need looks impossible, but it's not impossible for God. And he says, uh, you know, for their fierce anger, and he goes through this, verse five, because Syria, Ephraim, the son of, of Remelah, have plotted evil against you, and they've said, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them. But thus says the Lord, here's God's response, because, you know, Ahaz could have listened to the voices of the enemy and the threat and the fear and all this, and, and most people just live their lives listening to every voice but God's. Every word and opinion but God's. And here's what he says. I love this. He says, it shall not stand. 
you didn't catch that. God said, I know they threatened this, but it won't stand. I know they, the enemy mocked and cursed and said, I'm gonna take you out. I'm gonna replace you. I'm gonna do this and that. And maybe you've heard some lies. Maybe you've had some lies that said, you're not gonna make it. Your family's not gonna make it. And you just, just, just compromise today. Just compromise who you are and your values. Just, just live in fear. No, no, we need to listen to what God says. He says, it shall not stand. That enemy that threatened to take your mind, your, ma- your marriage, your faith, your, no, no, it shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. I mean, that, if that's all that God had to say to Ahaz, man, that's a good, that's a good promise. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes we need to remember God's our protector and God's our provider and God's our defense. And, but he's not done yet because God always does exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think. And here's what he tells him. God says to Ahaz, verse 10 or verse 11, ask a sign for yourself. Ask it in the heights above or the depths below. In other words, he says, don't ask little. Don't ask on your level. Ask big. Ask bigger than you. Church, God comes to Ahaz, an unfaithful, continually, increasingly unfaithful king, and God, in his grace, gives him an opportunity for a moment. He gives him an opportunity for a miracle moment. He says, I want you to ask me. I want you to ask and don't put limits on it. Don't, don't. And here's, here's what Ahaz's response. God says, hey, ask, ask for the, you know, ask big. And, and Ahaz says in response, oh, I could not ask. I could not tempt the Lord. It sounds super religious. It's funny how many things sound religious, but they're void of faith. I know it sounds humble, but it's not real humility. Real humility sometimes gets, dis- gets mistaken for pride because it's confident. But real humility is not confident in yourself, it's confident in God. False humility says, oh, I never could. I know, I could never ask big. I could never pray bold prayer. I could never, no, it sounds religious, but here's what God says to Ahaz. Is it enough that you weary guys, people, men? Is it enough that you weary them and not weary God also? I, I, he, he tells him, God says, listen, I asked you, I gave you an opportunity and rather than take that miracle moment, rather than pray in faith, rather than respond to the grace and goodness of God, you go, oh, I never could. I can, how could I ask? And instead, Ahaz misses, Ahaz misses his moment. And then God goes to a prophetic promise and he says, here, I'm gonna give you a sign. Here's the sign. And you may know this verse. Here's the sign, verse 14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and you call his name Emmanuel. That's Jesus. Let's look at that moment. Let's look at that story because I think that story illustrates better not just because it's not enough to know how to miss it. We need to know how to get it, how to receive, how to experience, how to step into the purpose and plan of God. I don't want to miss it, and I know you don't want to miss it. That's why you're here. Luke 1 tells the story of the greatest promise. There's lots of promises. God has promises for all of us, but there is one promise that's greater than all of them. It was the coming of Jesus. There's some things that God does in his I'll say sovereignty is the word we often use in church. In, 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 in the fact that he's God and he doesn't need my opinion. 
Like there's some things that God has decided to do. One of those was his first coming. God was not taking an opinion poll of the times to see, is it a good time for Jesus to be born? And can I tell you, he's not gonna take an opinion poll for his return. There's some things he's just gonna do because he's God. But there's also some things that we see throughout the Bible that he does with you. He does with your faith, with your obedience, with your surrender, with your yes to God. And I believe while that moment was a sovereign moment of, of Jesus coming into the world, we see this, but even in Mary, we see her response that I believe caused her to step into that and agree and cooperate with God. Watch what happens. Luke chapter one, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. She's engaged to be married. But the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, O highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, I mean, an angel shows up and says, You're favored. God's with you. And her response is common, I think, throughout. You see it in New Testament, Old Testament, when people would see an angel. They didn't go, oh man, that's an angel. I'm so excited. They were terrified because they believed that if you saw an angel, swing low, sweet chariots, they're coming forth to carry me home. Like it's the end. And, and, and she's, she's, she's taken back by it. She's a young girl. See, God first, God came to a king in Ahaz. But then he comes to the lowly too. He comes to the humble. He comes to, he comes, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you think qualifies or disqualifies. He shows up to Mary. The angel comes to bring a message because an angel, the, the, in, in the Bible, the word for angel is the same as messenger because an angel always came with a message. They came with a message from God to people. And this was the most important message. Jesus was coming into the world. And here's what happened. She, when she saw him, she was troubled at what he said and consider what manner of greeting this was. The angel responded, said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Uh, before we move on, let me just say this. There's some things that among different churches and different denominations that the churches are different about certain things they believe about different areas. And, and there's some areas that I think you have a, a, a charity and an a, agree to disagree, but there's just some things that are so fundamental to your faith. And, and one of those is the resurrection of Jesus. Paul said, if he hasn't risen from the dead, then we're still in our sins. So that's foundational. That's a non-negotiable. I believe another one is this, the virgin birth of Christ, that, that God, God, this was God's son sent forth into the world because a man who's fallen cannot die for the sins of man because it, through man, sin entered the world. And it had to be man to take the place. But, but none of us are good enough. None of us were without sin. None of us were perfect. But God himself, God's son Jesus, took on flesh fully God, fully man, because it had to be God to pay the price as a man, for man, to redeem us back to God. And that's that's fundamental. That's non-negotiable. That's a foundational truth. See, foundational things are important. 
If, if we look at what happened with Ahaz, it said the more he was distressed, the more he became unfaithful. Do you know what happens in distress? You find out what your foundations are. You, found out, you find out what you believe, not with your head, but with your heart. You find out what really matters. You find out what really is the foundation. Have I really built my life on the solid rock of Jesus? We find out in distress. We find out when things don't go our way, how do we respond? We find out when things are hard or difficult. We find out when we're waiting for a promise. We find out what our foundations are. Watch what happens. Mary responds to this angel who just told her something that is so mind-boggling. And part of why it's mind-boggling is not just how it would affect her, but Mary cannot look at that word and see any other precedent for it. Like there's never been a moment before or since where anything like that's happened. There's a lot of miracles in the Bible from Old and New Testament, both before Jesus came and after. There's a lot of miracles. We, we, we saw God move this Friday at Encounter Night. We've seen God work in the lives of people right here in this room. And, and I, I believe that. But listen, there was no precedent for what Mary was about to experience. There was nothing Mary could look up in her history, in the history of anybody she'd ever heard of and go, oh, that's what they're talking about. Because sometimes I believe God does something that is just simply unprecedented. And let's make it personal for a moment. God wants to do something in your life that you can't look at your own life and go, man, I earned that. I deserve that. Or even more importantly, even in your faith, whatever the greatest thing you could pray for and believe God for, and you've been asking what you think is big, and God goes, oh, I've got bigger. I've got greater. You don't believe me? You know what the Bible says? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even can imagine. Your God is able to do greater than what you can ask for. I can ask for a lot of stuff. How about you? I can think of a lot of stuff. You know what I'm praying for? I've got some things as a church we're praying for. We're praying, I've got a number of people we want to reach next year that's impossible for us. We've seen 300 people come to Christ in two years, but what I'm praying for is much bigger than that next year because there's more people that need Jesus. And I'm praying for not what we, see, sometimes we reduce our prayer to what we could do if God doesn't show up. None of you, other people, first service. Like, let me pray in a way that doesn't sound too crazy, that, that at least I can go, well, maybe if God doesn't show up, I can make this happen. No, what if we believe God at such a level? What if we responded and obeyed God at such a level that what he said to do, there was no precedent for it? I had somebody just at the end of first service come up and tell me a testimony, something God just did in their work, that he goes, I didn't even know you could do that. God, God opened a door for them that they literally created something brand new just for him. It's unprecedented. You know what Mary responds with? Um, how? <laughs> exactly how is this going to work? I mean, can't blame her. She asks how. And I think that's where some of us are stuck today. We're trying to figure out the how. How, God, are you going to answer that prayer? How, God, are you going to restore my marriage? How, God, are you going to bring back my son and daughter that's addicted and far from God? How, God? And we get stuck on the how, and God is preoccupied not with the how, because the how's easy for God. 
But, but see, the reason why the how is what messes us up is because like with Mary, here's what the angel says, the Holy Spirit's gonna overshadow you, come upon you and overshadow you. And, and, and well, let me just read it to you so you catch this. She says, how is it possible seeing I have not known a man? And the angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And, and just for reference, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived also in her old age. She's the mother of John the Baptist. She was too old, naturally, to have kids. And yet, she's pregnant. She has a child. And this is now the sixth month for who who is called barren. I don't know what they called you, but, but what they called you isn't what God's called you. <laughs> okay, I, I, I got it. Nick, I'm just ready to preach today. I don't know why. Uh, for with, with God, nothing is impossible. For with God, nothing. The angel's like, Mary, you gotta get this. I, I know you're stuck on the how. How is this gonna happen? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know, but you're still not gonna understand it. I'm gonna let you know, but you still can't figure it out. And, and, and with Mary, and, and like for many of us, what God does isn't seen. What God does in our life sometimes isn't obvious. And sometimes the greatest work God does in my life and yours isn't always obvious on the outside. The Bible actually says this in Philippians, that he's, God is working in you to will and to do. Sometimes the most important thing God does in my life isn't just answering the prayer and bringing the promise. It's actually what he does in me. I, I, I know, and I thank God for every person that, is, that celebrates Jesus when they win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, who are you going to thank for winning the Super Bowl? I want to thank Jesus. Now I'm going to Disney World. Anybody can celebrate after the answer shows up, after things change. Anybody can. But watch, I, I want to give you a few things, four points today, to, to help us to experience our miracle moment from God. And of course, it starts with Jesus. But here's what number one is, get to know the promise maker. Get to know the promise maker. The angel says to Mary, um, you're favored. You're highly favored. You're, you're blessed. And, and, and I think it's amazing. And the context of that is the first thing he tells her. He says, the Lord is with you. Like what you've got to know, Mary, is not just what God wants to do with you and in your life, but more importantly, that he's with you. You've got to know that. I think we have to know that he's with us. And I know that's simple for some of us who are, who've been walking with Jesus for a while, but sometimes we get caught up in the promise or what hasn't happened yet and forget that the goal has always been to know the promise maker, the one who gave us the promise. Because while you're waiting for things to happen, while you're waiting for the answer to show up, while you're waiting for that moment to take place and that thing to change and that person to come back to God or whatever it is you're believing for, whatever the promise is, while you're waiting for that and things are, God's busy, but it's all under the surface. It's all behind the scenes and you can't see it. It's not obvious. What do you do? Well, you know the one who's leading you. See, if you know that he's good, that means that what isn't good right now, he's leading me through it. It's not the final destination. It's not where I'm staying. Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God's desire and design is that his plan, his goodness would be revealed in your life. 
He's, he's planned out. He's got moments that he's wanting to show up and show out in our life. And his plans are good. And, and, and anybody who's ever had a detour, anybody ever drive through a detour, construction zone, and, and you're listening to Siri and Apple Maps, and sorry, your phone just turned on. Uh, I had to disable that on my, my watch because it kept sending random text messages. I won't tell you what all the content of those was, but it was random. Uh, so, but here's, here's what happens. So we're listening to directions, but it doesn't match what we see in front of us. <laughs> because cause, cause the detour hasn't been updated in Apple Maps yet. And we're following, we go, I don't understand why I've got to turn right here and why I've got to turn left there. Can I tell you, following Jesus sometimes feels like that. But if you know the one who's leading you and you know he's always good, it doesn't matter. If he said turn right and you turn right and it's, it's, it's him leading you exactly where you need to be. Get to know the promise maker. Get to know the one who's leading you. Number two is trust his process. Trust his process. You know, if I'm, if I'm honest, I think, in, you know, it's been said the shortest path between two points is a straight line. That's how I think the plan's always gonna go. Like, God, if it's you, if it's your plan, if it's your promise, it's gonna, it's gonna be easy. It's gonna be real direct and real obvious. Um, do you know what's really tough for Mary is to explain to everybody else what God told her? <laughs> Including her fiance. Like, like there's some things that saying yes to God was gonna mean some misunderstanding, was gonna mean some people wouldn't understand what God had promised and what God had told her and frankly wouldn't believe it anyway. And so there was a weight to her yes. There was a weight to her response. There was a weight to what she was going to say in response to what God wanted to do. Here's her response, Luke 138. Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. That's amazing. She says, let it be. I think that's the key right there. That's, that's the key of everything else. That's the key to experiencing what God has in your life. That's the key to getting to know the miracle of the promise maker. That's the key to, to walking through and trusting the process. And God has a process for all of us. Some things happen quickly and some things have a process. Do you know what the process is about, by the way? The process is always about preparing you to be able to handle and keep the promise when it shows up. Because there's some stuff we're praying for that we, if we're honest, don't have the character to keep if it showed up today. I'm talking about myself sometimes. Like I was single, praying, God, show me my spouse. Bring my wife here. I didn't know she was from a place called Iowa that I'd never been to. <laughs> and I'm praying, God, send my spouse. And I'm praying, you know, I'm newly walking with Jesus. I'm like, I'm not dating. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. God, bring her. And you know what God's answer was before he brought her? Was to start working on me. Oh, but I thought the promise just shows up. The process was about making me into the husband that was ready to, are, are you with me? So, so there's some things God, that, that we're asking God to do in our life, our family, our business, our met, whatever it is that God's placed in our, in our care, and we're asking for more, we're asking for this and that, and God goes, okay, I wanna give you that, but I'm gonna grow you to handle that so you don't lose it and so it doesn't harm you. And so the process is important so we can trust the one who's leading us through that process. Number three, Number three is this, believe his promise. What did Mary say? Let it be to me according to 
your word. She believed the message that the angel brought her. She believed the one who was the source of that, God. She believed, but, but her belief was not just that, you know, Mary figured out her, her, got all her theology straightened out yet, and she's like, okay, well, here's my statement of faith. Now I believe that in my head. That wasn't even what she did. She actually surrendered in faith. Her belief led to an action because what we really believe will always result in a response. What I really believe about God will result in a response. It's not just where I mentally assent to and go, okay, God, I believe you're there. And well, the devil believes he's there. <laughs> you know, but, but, but the difference I believe between Ahaz, who has, has a promise from God, and Mary is not just the plan. And obviously God did something special and unique with Mary and bringing the Savior and all that. I don't, but, but here's what I want you to catch. Her response is the total opposite of Ahaz's. Ahaz goes, oh, not me. I could never ask. And she goes, let it be to me, according to your word. She says yes to the promise. She says yes, and trust and saying yes, putting your faith in Jesus often looks like trust I'm trusting you to save. I'm trusting you to deliver. I'm trusting you to provide. I'm trusting you to make a way. I trust your promise. But it also looks like surrender. It looks like surrender. And she surrenders. She responds. She says, let it be to me. When God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, he said, let there be light. And of course, God's creating light and light comes into existence and light. But here's, here's what he says, let there be what does Mary say? Let it be to me. When you let something, you permit to enter. You permit to step in. And what would happen if you and I in this year, in this moment today, permitted to enter, permitted Jesus to step into everything that concerns us? The things we're worried about, we said, God, instead of trying to figure it out and fix it on my own, I prayed about it and I invited you to enter it. What if instead of trying to make my own way and striving and arguing and fighting, I invited God to make a way and do what only he can do? What if God, instead of arguing and nagging my spouse into change, it's quiet. What if I let you be God and speak to and change and work in? What if we surrendered in a way and at a level where we let God be God and do whatever he wants to do in our situation? And, and like Mary, sometimes it's gonna mean I don't understand it all. I don't have it all figured out. I might even be misunderstood. I heard a story recently and man, this is a different one. But I heard this, uh, a, a pastor in Los Angeles, his, he had a guy in his church who is not weird at all. Can I just preface it? He's not weird. Because some of you are going to be like, that's weird. What I'm going to tell you does. But, but, and what God tells us is not to do is not always weird. But, but I want you to catch this. This guy, he's praying, he's talking to God one day, and God speaks to him something he had never heard or never thought before. Go to 7-Eleven. There's 7-Eleven next to him. Go to that 7-Eleven and go stand on your head. You're like, I hope God doesn't tell me that. No, no, so, so he gets this, true story. He's not, this is not his personality. This is just out there. This is different. This is weird. And, and, but he does what God tells him to do. He goes into this gas station, goes into the 7-Eleven, stands on his head, gets back up, thinks that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. All of a sudden, this man's in that 7-Eleven. He breaks down crying. 
What he doesn't know is just moments before, that guy was in the car getting ready to take his life right after he left that 7-Eleven. And he said, God, if you're there, if you're real, and he just thinks it's something random, like completely ridiculous and says, God, if you're real, make somebody stand on their head in that gas station. I, I, I don't know what, I mean, hopefully God doesn't tell us all stand, okay. But, but are you with me? Like there's some stuff that's on the other side of your yes that's gonna change your family. There's some stuff on the other side of your yes that's gonna change generations, that's gonna break addiction, that's gonna set you free and everybody else that your life impacts. There's gonna be some things on the other side of your yes. Can I just say, I'm thankful that Mary said yes. And look what God can do because Jesus still enters into the world through a yes. I know it's different, but he sends the Holy Spirit and God moves on the lives of people because somebody says yes and believes. Believe his promise. Number four, and the final one, before we go, Jason and the team, if you wanna get ready. Number four, those who are taking notes, is get around people of promise. Get around people of promise. Because there's just gonna be some people that aren't gonna understand. And that's okay. There's gonna be people that don't understand what God's doing on the inside of your life. What you're praying about, what you're believing God for, what you've been asking God to do. But you need to get around some people, promise. The next thing that Mary does is she goes and visits Elizabeth, her cousin. And she goes to Elizabeth, I want you to see this. Verse 39, now Mary arose in those days, went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb as John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women. That sounds familiar. Because people of promise will always echo heaven. And you need to get around some people that aren't gonna just complain with you and be negative with you. And, and I need some people, when I'm in a pit, I don't need somebody else to get in the pit with me. I need somebody not to give me a shovel and go, yeah, you're right, feel bad about it. Just be real. Like I just, I need somebody to give me a rope. Get me out of this. Sometimes that means like, if I'm, if I'm in just a bad mood, somebody's gonna come along and be like, snap out of it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Or when I'm in a moment of, of wondering about the promise that somebody comes along and echoes what heaven said, blessed are you among women. Elizabeth responds and watch this, blesses the fruit of your womb. But why was this granted to me, to the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed, listen to this last statement, last verse, verse 45. Blessed is she who believed. You're blessed. I just wonder if we could be a people of promise that celebrate answers of prayer for other people as much as we do our own. That we would be a people of promise, we get around people of promise, that we get around some people who are gonna speak life and encourage. That's what our city groups do. We're gonna have a whole new semester in January because we need to create a community of people that are gonna storm the gates with you. They're gonna fight with you, pray for your family, fight for your marriage, pray for your kids that are far away from God. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things that were spoken to her by the Lord. I, I believe that's not just for her, that's for you. There will be a fulfillment. Our job is just to receive, to say yes. You know, God's favor didn't come because we deserved it. God didn't consult our history to determine our future. That's good news. 
He, he, he didn't look, well, are they qualified for it? No, no, sin disqualified, but Jesus, his grace qualifies and sets us free. Jesus came to die on a cross, why? Because God would uphold his perfect standard of righteousness and judgment against sin in receiving that justice himself through the cross. And Jesus came to make a way for us to God so that God could make a way for us to know him and experience these miracle moments, experience that future and that hope that I described to you today. It just, it's a gift. He said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What God wants to do in your life today, right here, right now, is a gift. And like any gift, for it to benefit you, you have to receive it. You don't just put it in a closet, put it on a shelf, you receive it. You take ownership of it. And that's what faith looks like. Saying, God, you provided for me a relationship with, with you through Jesus. Forgiveness of sins, freedom, a future, a hope. You have to receive it. I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you would stand to your feet, I want us to pray today. And we're gonna close in a moment and we're gonna declare the greatness of our God together as we leave. But before we do that, I want us to have an opportunity because just like God invited Mary and God invited Ahaz, God's inviting you and me into his story, into his purpose, into his plan, into moments that God has been delighting to show us and do in our lives since all eternity. Before I took my first breath, he had a purpose. It's the same for you. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're in here today and you say, Brian, I don't know God like you're talking about. I don't have a relationship with God. You can begin one today. And it's as simple as what Mary said, let it be to me. God, I'm gonna open my life up to you. I'm gonna say yes to you. I'm gonna surrender to you, to Jesus. And if you're in here and you've never done that before and you'd like to, I wanna invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. It's a prayer from your heart. Because it's, a, it's to say yes to Jesus. And this prayer, this moment, is a miracle moment. This moment can be a moment that changes your family forever. More importantly, that changes your life forever. Not just for a day and not just for a week, but life is measured in a moment. A moment with God. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to give you that chance right now. Maybe you have, but you've been far from God in distress you ran from, in failure you ran from, but God never wanted you to be far. He never wanted you to run away. God's not looking out to get you. He's inviting you to come near. He's wanting you to know him because in Jesus there's forgiveness, there's hope, there's a future, there's a promise, but we have to receive that free gift. If you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus, or to begin a relationship with God for the first time. If either, is a, either of those are for you, I want you right where you're at with no one looking around. You say, that's me, Brian. I want you to lift your hands to God. Thank you. Keep them up for just a moment, all over the room. Those people are responding just like you. And today you say, this is a different moment. This is not just any Sunday. This is not just any, no, no. This is the day, this is the moment. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. I'm letting him take the lead. 
Would you just pray this with me? And I'm asking every believer in here, pray this with us together. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be Lord of my life. I receive your free gift of salvation, of forgiveness, of freedom, of a future and a hope. And I give my life to you. I surrender. I say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate for a moment those that responded to Jesus? We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.